Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 72 of the podcast. This week with... Uh, I first knew him as I Wear Your Shirt, uh, I think on Twitter. I first read about him as he sold his last name. (laughs) Uh, Interesting, (laughs) entrepreneurial, and outside-the-box thinking human, Jason Zook. Yeah, uh, super interesting character. Like we mentioned, he... uh, he sold his last name at, at one point, uh, I think. And for, now, yeah. m- perhaps even more interestingly, his latest unorthodox approach to self-enterprising is, is it sell my future? Buy my future. Buy my future. Yeah. Buy my future. Dot com. Dot yeah. com. Check that out. He is doing what it says. He's selling his future. And we talked about something very apropos. We talked about value. Yeah. The th- things that we assign as creative people and as entrepreneurial people, we assign value to. And what means something to us and what pays a quote-unquote dividend in the end. Yeah, and he had a... I think we were both really surprised by his perspective, which was actually super generous and An absolutely and unparalleled level of authenticity yeah, from so someone authentic. that honestly, I'll, I'll be straightforward about it, I didn't expect it from. From afar, yeah, I think it could could be perceived as that. And so we were both pleasantly surprised and, and really happy to have him on. And you know, thinking of authenticity and, and things we appreciate... Uh, this week's sponsor is friend of the show. They sponsored before. We had the uh, one of the co-directors of the organization on Trisha Kudereski. Um, I forget what episode number. What do you think, Vince? It's early forties. Early forties, respect. Uh, that's Public Functionary, which is this really amazing um, arts organization, gallery space, sort of alternative style, which we talked about quite a bit on her episode. But uh, they've got actually a bit of a campaign going on right now which their p friends or pf friends uh fall exhibit season fundraiser trying to raise some money for their fall exhibits and actually i was lucky enough to do a little bit of a collab uh through green room which is the magazine i do creative direction for um we did we were one of i think five brands uh, five friends as they say to do a collaborative t-shirt with them and i'm really actually really proud of the design i did it's super fun it's a shirt i would actually wear uh, it's a combination of the green room kind of boxy logo with uh with the public functionary logo which how does one describe that what does that look like to you sort of like it's a, a chevron interpretation yeah <laughs> there's a it's a, a cross element it's 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 interesting. But uh, if you're interested in checking out those um, T-shirts and supporting them, hopefully, because they're super rad, uh, go to publicfunctionary.org slash pfriends, and uh, you can get all that info. So thank you, Public Functionary, for supporting us, for supporting art. Uh, thank you, Vince, for doing the show with me. Thank you, listeners, for listening. And thank you, Jason Zook. I just did. I, was this my first one? My first lead into the actual episode? In a episode? long time. I feel episode. pretty superfluous right now. Episode 72 with Jason Zook. Value. I did it wrong. Is it? You're listening to episode 72, Value with Jason Zook. Nailed it. Be fun. Yeah, I don't know. It might be. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, if history is any indicator, it won't be at all. 
Okay, Mr. Vince. Hey, Mr. Grant. You're looking lovely, by the way. Can Grant. I just say it? I just wanted to say it. Grant. And I, I feel bad. I feel bad for the listeners because they're going to get those dulcet tones. They're going to get that sweet-sounding Vincent voice, that VV, as I like to call it. But they're missing out on the looks. Maybe we should post a pic with this one. Your hair's looking just especially nice today. Grant, you know how susceptible I am to flattery of any kind, especially hair flattery. It it really does work like a charm on me, but I'll I'll echo the sentiment. I like your hair flow as well. Thank you. Wow. It's getting progressively longer and more bohemian, and I think (laughs) it's actually really working. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's weird. It's like I haven't cut it in a while, and it just keeps, and then it keeps growing, and then, so yeah, it does get longer over time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nature working as intended, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, well, I can appreciate that. It's, uh, it's really beautiful uh, seeing nature at work. So Vince, speaking of work, can you tell me, what are you working on lately? What are you putting your time into? Well, Grant, I wish I had a more interesting answer, but I've been really, really grinding the axe at the office lately. Um, you, you are an axe grinder. So <laughs> yeah, that is my second job. I'm a blacksmith. Um, but no, we are really slammed with end of the year coming up. You know, it's a busy time for advertising Ooh. in general, both with pitches, trying to get new business in for the fiscal and with like wrapping up clients' budgets they want to spend before the end of the year, holidays, the whole shebang. So if you want to, I'm available for some projects. If you want to spend some budgets, no worries. I got you. <laughs> Looking out for your best right, interests. Yeah. I, I know I make a lot of really expensive and important decisions at Yamamoto, <laughs> so I'll bring you up in the next leadership Sounds meeting. Good. Uh, that said, yeah, I, I still do love what I do, so it's not that bad. But yeah, I've been real busy. Love Grant, it. if you do me... The express honor of answering that same question. What have you been doing? I will do you the express honor by expressing an answer to your question, which was originally my question, but you're bouncing it back. What am I putting my time into? Man, I guess uh, a lot of editing, just wrapped up some stuff. I mean, hopefully by the time this this comes out, I'll have two new music videos out in the world, which is pretty dope. Um, they should be premiering shortly or have premiered. <laughs> um, we don't like to date the show. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, and I just got back from LA, had a pretty productive trip there. Uh, if you'll remember on some previous episodes, I was talking about that cold open we were shooting, which frankly I was nervous as fuck about. <laughs> <laughs> but it went amazing. Uh, I really couldn't have asked for a better situation, so I'm happy. Oh, that's great, man. And I'm really excited uh, for our particular guest today. Uh, have been anticipating this episode for a little while. I've actually been following uh, his story and, uh, by extension, him uh, for some time. I think I first came across this fella. Uh, when he <laughs> pulled a bit of a... Well, I think it was maybe the selling of his last name. Or actually, it must have been the I wear your shirt stuff. Well, I think he made what he made like a million dollars or something like that off that project. Maybe he can tell us a little more about it. But uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Jason Zook. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, so you're, you're creative. You're an entrepreneur. You're a maker of many things. I think a lot of tools, helpful tools, especially for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a good way to describe it. It's better than what it used to just be like a guy who got paid to wear t-shirts for a living. There's a lot more <laughs> things now except for just that. So yeah. Well, I mean, well, actually, I'm going to I'm going to jump in and ask you a question first, but I'm going to be really excited to hear about that backstory and I think it'll be good context for our listeners, but before all that, can you do me the honors of of letting us and our listeners know what you've been putting your time into recently? 
Yeah, I, well, here, I was jealous because you guys were talking about your long flowing locks of hair, and I am <laughs> follically challenged, uh, which is okay, which is okay. I've come to embrace it. I actually feel like, I feel faster with less hair, so, yeah. you know, people who have long hair, I just imagine I could outrun you. because It is you aerodynamic, that yes, that's yeah, empirically. Yeah, sure, sure, uh, and I do need to add, uh, I think the confidence one gets from long hair can just mm. really boost your speed by four mm. or five X. So, <laughs> All right. but, well, but please go on. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're going to get stuck like fixing your man bun, but we, <laughs> yeah. could go, we could go for hours here. I mean, I just, you know. Uh, so what have I been working on? Yeah, I, I've done a, a couple crazy projects over the years. Uh, this next one, I don't know, might be my craziest. I feel like it's my biggest only because it involves my future. And okay. the project is called buymyfuture.com. And it is me basically trying to remove a process that I don't like in my life, uh, which is selling and marketing and promoting because it just every time I build or create something like you mentioned I like to do, feel like I have to like come up with the way to convince people to buy it because we're all so oversaturated with things that we see online. Um, so to cut through that noise, I'm basically putting a price tag on my life's work and saying, at least for right now, it's a thousand bucks. You get access to everything I've created before, which is eight things. Uh, you get access to everything I will create in the future, which I'm at least guaranteeing six things. So it's like 4,500 bucks in value, 14 products. And who knows? Like, I plan on eating a lot of kale very soon so that I can stay alive for like 150 <laughs> years. And I just want to deliver maximum value for the people that believe in me and that have followed me over the years and trusted me. And like you said, have kind of seen the creative journey that I've been on, but now know that I'm, I'm really heads down creating and building interesting things that help entrepreneurs become creative and sell and, and do fun things on their own. Super dope. Yeah, that's it's cool. It's cool and it's something that we as as people and as a as a project and a platform really can get behind. Mm-hmm. Helping other people do cool things is is just as cool and co- or cooler as doing the cool things yourself. Uh that said, you have been a part of and the proprietor of some unorthodox and interesting uh, endeavors of the past. Would you agree with that statement? <laughs> yeah, Yay yeah. or nay? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yes. The, the court will, will accept a yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could just paint this, some context for our listeners, what have been some of the more interesting and, and even newsworthy, certainly, uh, enterprises that you've done in the past? Yeah, I am probably best known for getting paid to wear t-shirts for a living for five years. And that was with a company called I Wear Your Shirt, where I just decided that I could be a random guy on the internet that people would pay pay to wear clothing. And I would talk about it on social media. So I did that from 2009 until 2013. And as you mentioned earlier, I did generate over $1.2 million in revenue with that business, which is utterly ridiculous to even say out loud, but uh, is true. And golf then if, Yeah, yeah, a very silent golf club. <laughs> and then if, uh, if that wasn't crazy enough, uh, my mom was going through a divorce in 2012. I'd actually had three last names up to that point. So last names for me are not like something I carry around with a badge of honor like many people. And so I decided to sell my last name because we were stuck in a kind of a family situation. I didn't want the last name anymore that I had, which was Sadler. And I said, I've been selling my T-shirt for a couple of years. I've had a bunch of other sponsored things. Why not sell my last name? Like, I, I don't know. That seems like a weird thing that I would do. And so I put it up for auction at $0. It started. And in, within 24 hours, there were like 75 bids. And I got up to 30000 bucks in the first day. 
which was insane. I realize how ridiculous that sounds. Uh, but it really just kind of kept proving the idea that you could do things unconventionally. You could do things that no one had done before, uh, just if you're willing to put in the work and the effort and to stand behind these ideas when people kind of criticize them. And then my most kind of recent project uh, was writing a book about all these adventures that I've had in entrepreneurship through the past eight years now. And I also looked at that differently. And a lot of people said, oh, you're a first-time author. You know, you're not going to make money. Use the book as a marketing tool, blah, blah, blah. I didn't really like that idea. I wanted to make money because making money affords me the ability to live the life that I want to live and to uh, just do the things that I want to do. So I followed the sponsorship route. I kind of stuck to that thing and, and convinced 204 companies to basically sponsor a book that didn't have a word written, a single copy out into the world, uh, and raised over 75 grand before the book even had anything but a title. So yeah, those have been my big hits over the years. Golf clap number two. <laughs> yeah. And, and certainly, I mean, I, I would imagine, do you feel like there have been a lot of misses then in between? You know, I don't have many misses. Uh, you're, you're a Tarantino type. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, here's the thing. I actually realized this on another interview that I did recently that someone brought this up. And he said, the one thing that I've noticed on every one of your projects is that you get people to pay you for them before you actually do anything. And that's why I don't have any misses. Because just intrinsically within me, for some reason, I always put these projects out into the world and I go, okay, someone pay me for this before I do it because that will convince me that number one, people want this, but that also that I should keep driving to do it. So yeah, there's not a lot of misses when you, you know, I don't progress forward with things before people buy them. And, and I tend to do a good amount of research. I tend to talk to customers, whether that's through email or surveys or, or even just listening to people when they're emailing me constantly about the things that they're working on. So, yeah, not a lot of, li- lot of misses. I guess I could be a little Tarantino. I love Tarantino. He's oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, he's great. What's not to love? Well, I think it sounds like you have a good fundamental understanding of what we're talking about on today's show. And it's value. And you have managed to see the value in things that I think the public, or, or at least many of your doubters, have not seen. And when it comes to something like selling your future, or selling your last name, or selling space on your body, as it may be, uh, it's, it gives us a, a fun, I would say, and, and definitely unconventional way to talk about a pretty standard question, which is, how do we find the value in the work that we do, the time that we invest in ourselves, and how do we communicate that value and get people to believe in it? So I would like to, to break into this conversation by asking you some of the hurdles that you've encountered while trying to get these less than average enterprises off the ground. Yeah, I think probably the first hurdle that you guys can relate to, everyone can relate to, is self-doubt. Uh, with every project, I mean, uh, right now I have doubt about this by my future project. You know, I, I remember what the feeling was like when I first started I Wear Your Shirt. And I mean, you have to imagine back then, I'm a nobody. I mean, I didn't even know what Twitter was. I had no clue what these platforms were. I just thought there was an opportunity to do something. And so I had the balls basically to do it. And and I did. And so I think you know, self-doubt is one of those things that we we all deal with and some of us deal with it in different ways. What I've learned over the years is that if I want something more than I'm afraid of it, more than I have like self-doubt creeping in about it, then I'm going to continue to chase that thing. 
you know, there have been ideas that I, I haven't gone after, and frankly, I can't even really remember them because I don't even waste time thinking about them. Um, but that's one big thing for me that whenever I'm starting, I think a lot of people can relate to that. We all deal with it. It's just a matter of how much do you actually want that thing? Because here's the thing. A lot of people want to build a new product or service or business or podcast or whatever, but do they actually really want to do it? Or they just see somebody else have success with it and they go, oh, that'd be fun to do. But then when they start doing the work, they're like, eh, I don't really want to stick through this. I mean, we talk about this all the time. We talk about self-awareness in that when you're truly motivated and truly self-inspired by that stuff, like that's where the actual good work comes from. That's the, pretty much the only thing that's going to see you through the finish line of projects and, and really of your career, of your work, of your life is like, is tapping into something you're actually inspired to do versus something you think you should be inspired to do or you think other people think is cool is X, X, X. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the the word value is so great because uh, for me, like I've been extremely intentional in uh, minimalizing my life and doing a lot of those things, especially in the past couple of years. I, I met the minimalists at a conference a couple of years ago, and listening to Joshua's story had a huge impact on me because his his pre minimalist story was similar to my story. And so I heard him talking about these things. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel the exact same way. And now really with business, with life, with friendships, with meals, I mean, everything, it's does this thing bring me value? If I'm going to spend time on it or money on it or whatever it is, if it doesn't bring me value, I'm just very quick to not do that thing. Mm -hmm. So business ideas, anything that I'm working on, value is such a huge thing that that plays a role in my decision making. That's great. I, I think even as context, I know we say we don't like to date the show, but I think it's kind of interesting that we're sort of on the eve of you launching this too. I think it's like yeah. kind of like a, yeah, right? It is for sure because I, I had this thought today when I was driving to go get lunch. I'm like, man, I'm really nervous about this project being launched. Yeah. You know, two months ago, I wasn't nervous at all. A month ago, wasn't nervous at all. Even a week ago, I was just pumped. I was ready. I, you know, I put yeah. in the work. Everything is lined up. But now, <laughs> we're getting to crunch time and I'm like, man, I'm having all these thoughts. Is this going to work? Is this yeah, gonna, yeah, oh, right? and we all have it. And I, I know that it's going to work because, number one, I've already had people buy that I had a very small list of pre-launch stuff. Again, just like I said, I, yeah. I had people pay for things. And you've been writing about it, right? Like for daily. Yeah, for, yeah, for 60, 60 days, days yeah. I've had over, I don't know, 30,000 people read these, these daily entries on Medium, which is fantastic because I'm showing the journey of how you get to launching something, of mm-hmm. what goes on and, and all the moving and, parts. And, and that's valuable. I mean, right? Like this idea of like sharing the journey with people, I, I think... That's uh, something we've talked. We've talked a lot about like social media and uh, that kind of the pros and cons of sharing versus not sharing. And I think there's something brave about actually opening up and actually sharing that sort of stuff with people. I think that's really awesome. I applaud you for it. No, thank you. I I think that social media has gotten to a point, it was beautiful years ago when there wasn't like this whole idea of perfection on everything that you did. You know, I mean, I will admit to it too. How many times have I gone to write a tweet and then I rewrite it like three times because I wanted to get the most retweets or favorites? We all do it. How many times do we look at a photo and we go, oh, let's take another one because that one's not going to get as much, you know, you know, favorites or whatever. We all do this. We curate our lives on these platforms, and yet that's not what helps anybody grow as a person is to show the most perfect version of yourself. The thing that helps people grow is for them to relate to you and say, holy crap, this guy who's done all these big projects is still nervous about doing another big project? Wow. Okay, that that gives me the permission to be okay with being nervous. 
And, and so I didn't want to do the classic, like build up quietly, drop this big project and then do this recap afterwards of like, here's how I made X amount of money because that doesn't really show people all the things that go into it and then give them a bunch of context to that success that you have. Mm-hmm. I'm just loving that this, what it wasn't exactly what I would expect. And I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way because you're most well known for these these things that are almost stunt stunt worthy, yeah, right. Yeah. In, in the way that you go about them, but hearing your very authentic, genuine, and sincere approach to marketing them and to thinking them through is fascinating to me, and it's really cool. I would you know, like. Oh, go ahead. I please. was going to say. You know what's interesting about that is uh, number one, I appreciate that. It's, it's fantastic. But number two, it's. I find myself having these same thoughts when I meet people that I've heard of or I've read about in different mm-hmm. things, and you're only getting a very, very objective view of who that person is, right? Like you're getting someone else's opinionated article or whatever, but you're not actually getting it from the source. And and even when you get it from the source, sometimes you get the perfect curated version because yeah. they have to, right? Like if they want to land the next client, if they want to do a thing, they can't say like, oh, I'm 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 in debt. Or, it, yeah. Exactly. So I think that there's, there's so much context that we don't get to share uh, just – because of the nature of what the internet is right now, I think it's going to be very different in years to come, which is a whole different soapbox. But yeah, yeah, I I really do think that there's something to the authenticity and to the sharing kind of movement that's going on right now that that helps everybody. Mm -hmm. Certainly. You'd even say there's value in it probably. I would probably say that. (laughs) What I'm interested to ask is that you you do sound like you have an understanding of value and you've mentioned that you take great care to research the climate of the idea that you're bearing something into. So what I would like to know is what have you come to understand about other people's perceptions of value and how do you make these things that you do seem valuable or make people understand that they are valuable to, to the people that you're selling them to? Yeah, let's let's go with the one that's just close at hand just because it's really easy for me to think about and it's what I've been thinking about for the past two months nonstop. But then let's also talk about like a previous project because I can I can drum that up too. Great. Um, with Buy My Future, it's $1,000, which is not a incredible amount of money, but it's a sizable amount of money for people. And that is for my life's work is basically what I'm saying. As an entrepreneur, as a creator, as a maker, it is for access to everything I will ever create for the rest of my life. If $1,000 doesn't seem like a good value for that, then number one, you're not a customer for me by any means whatsoever. But number two, what do you value? You know, like I would be really curious to know from people like what they value because the things that I'm creating help people grow their businesses. It helps them become more creative. You know, if if you could invest $1,000 in yourself to be 10x better or 50x better, I want to help you do that. Like that, those are the, the things that I build and I plan on building over the next course of, of years to come. So when I'm thinking about the price of that, I want it to seem like a no-brainer, right? I want it to seem like, yeah, this is a good amount of money, but man, this is an investment that's going to pay off huge dividends down the road when for the next 10 years, this guy's just going to keep pumping out ideas and content and products and I'm going to get them all for free. Like I'm never going to have to pay him again. Um, so I think that's a really, really interesting kind of value position that I've looked at. But then I also look at like the the customer's perspective. And I think that there's so much stuff that is pushed in front of people consumer-wise, like consumerism stuff, um, but also like the internet place that we live right now with like so many digital marketers, so many digital creators. And a lot of people don't basically go, how can I make the person who buys this a better person? And so with every 
every project I'm trying to do that. And, and I'm not the first person to think that way. Kathy Sierra, who's a really well-known female developer, and she wrote a book called Making Users Badass. Uh, it's a fantastic book. But it's basically thinking about how does my product make somebody better? And to me, that's the ultimate form of value exchange is I'm solving a problem. You pay me for that problem. Now you can go and solve that problem 10 times better than you ever could before. Yeah, it's like, Super, again, super dope. Pardon my, like, you know, like low, lowest common denominator there, like in terms <laughs> of like language, but it really is. I think that's like, it's such, it's such a cool way of, of thinking about the work you want to do. I, I do think even the way you've done, done your value equation, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I, you know, I mean, it's interesting actually now that I'm thinking like, oh, I wonder, you know, am I a potential customer here? Mm-hmm. And, and I think certainly from, uh, from a, a value standpoint, I'm somebody who all like consistently I invest in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, maybe cash flow wise, maybe not, but maybe, yeah, maybe I mean, it's, maybe by the end of this episode, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see how my my sales pitch keeps going. I mean, yeah. you guys can tell that like I I believe in what I'm doing totally. because I know that the impact it's going to have for people is positive at the end of the day. Like I'm not selling snake oil. I'm not like anything, you know, that you're not going to see. Um, and my track record it kind of backs me up. And I think that's the thing where a lot of people don't have a track record. And, and that's part of this project too. Like I want to help people build their own track record as an entrepreneur or a creator or a small mm-hmm. business owner or whatever. And you get to join a small group of people who are getting a ton of value. Um, but I don't want to harp just on the idea. So sure. you kind of asked about like seeing the value of things. Like let's talk about the, the last name sale idea because most people might think like what is someone going to get from selling your last name or from buying your last name? Like I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they would. I think even I, parts of me would say that. Yeah. So when I thought of this idea, I immediately said to myself, this is number one, it's a brand exposure play. Like you're not going to put a ton of dollars in your bank account because you made my last name some product, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's purely an exposure play because no one had done it before. It's incredibly newsworthy. I mean, we've all read stories like this of different angles, the million dollar homepage, et cetera. Uh, so I knew when this idea kind of cobbled together and I was like, okay, I, I'm the guy who can do this that press was going to pick it up. Plus, I also had on my side a lot of press that had written about I Wear Your Shirt. So I could go back to them and go, hey, remember when you wrote about this T-shirt thing I did? Well, now I'm kind of up in the game and getting even crazier. And so many of those art, like media outlets were just ready. like They were just waiting for the bids to start coming in so that they could start talking about it. So I knew that there was going to be built-in value for whatever company got on board and by the end of it, you know, it's funny when headsets.com, they were the company that won the auction. Um, you know, they, they kind of didn't know it was going to happen. I mean, I was on the homepage of USA Today. Uh, I was, I announced it live on Fox and Friends. I was on the front page of CNN Money. A company like headsets.com could not pay for those placements a hundred X of what they paid me for my last name, which was 45,000 bucks. So, uh, when they got all that media attention for them, they were like, Oh, this is a huge win. And then they actually looked at the numbers and in the first six months made a quarter of a million dollars in additional sales that they didn't have. So it's crazy to like think about these things in terms of uh, like what is the value going to be. At some point, you just kind of have to say, like, I believe that this is going to work and then let the cards kind of fall where they're going to. So allow me maybe to offer a, a counterpoint that's not even really a counterpoint, but to bring up the fact that you don't see, obviously, that was valuable and it was a success and not only did you benefit, but 
the the company that paid for it benefited in a very real and meaningful way and i think this the zeitgeist benefited from it but at the same time you don't see everyone going out and selling their last names it it intrinsically it's not that valuable Mm -hmm. so what i want to know is what is this conversation look like how do we balance the fact that it worked once and it worked for you. Right. But I mean, I, I don't want to, I mean, I, I don't want to answer for him, but from my perspective, it's just like, it's the philosophy. It's the philosophy that's valuable, which is uh, find value in interesting ways and then present that value. There's someone willing to buy something. If, if, if The thing is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think I am. Uh, what you're doing, Jason, is you are providing something that you genuinely believe in is valuable and you are finding someone who is willing or maybe you're convincing them that they should be willing to buy it. I mean, and that can be across the board, whether that's a brand willing to invest. I mean, like I think about a, a pitch I'm putting together right now for this video project, um, and we're pitching to a few different brands, and it's just like we tr- we genuinely believe it's valuable for them. So that, to me, is one of the biggest things on our side when we're selling, if we're just going to talk about selling for a second, which is kind of baked into a lot of this value stuff. And I know you want to avoid selling now, Jason, but but mm-hmm. still, part of that is... If you truly believe you're providing value, it's so easy to sell because oh, you just believe. <laughs> for sure. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what you charge for a video project and you, you don't have to say, but there's always going to be someone who charges less than you. There's always going to be someone who charges more than you, but it's exactly what you just said. You have the confidence in the work that you do. And so th- the value that's going to come of that, it kind of, it, it's just going to happen, right? It, I mean, you just, again, like the philosophy, like you just believe that's going to happen. I mean, I think the really interesting thing about me as I look at all of my work is I don't really have a skill. Like I, I'm not an I'm not a painter. I'm not a videographer. I'm not a musician. Like I don't have a tangible skill that you can really identify and say, oh, he fits in this box, which is actually a skill in itself, right? Like being just so out there and different. But I think that when you look at just doing things so differently and uniquely, and, and Vince, to answer your question, I really do believe that if someone else said, I want to sell my last name, okay, yes, you could not do it the exact same way that I did it because it probably would just get overlooked. But if you put your own twist on it and then you just worked your ass off to make it happen and you created some really unique way, I bet someone could make 10, 10x what I made selling my last name. Now, do I think it would be an insurmountable amount of work for anybody else? Yes, totally. But I, I also think that people... Don't give themselves enough credit. I think that people don't work hard enough because I think that that's just proof in every article we see popping up on the internet nowadays of like the 27 tips to hack yourself to a million dollar thing. Or I don't mean to call this podcast out, but it was like, I just saw it on the front page of iTunes, like eight minutes to becoming a millionaire. Bullshit. Like, I, I mean, I understand their show is not like probably going to make you do that, but just like those types of things are what is leading people away from uh, I know, actually providing their own value. We, we get hit up by like a fair amount of those types to be on the show. We do. And, yeah. and, and almost almost exclusively when someone comes to us pitching themselves, it's usually not a fit. But I see that stuff and it's just such a fucking turn off. Yeah. It's just so – and I mean here's here's the interesting thing for me and I and this is a compliment to you. Uh, like – I see you, you're in that world, you're in the world of, no, hold on, not that world, you're in the world of, like, internet people, and of, like, tools, and there are, like, tips and tricks, and I don't think you're positioning it as that, but it's, like, from afar, it's, like, oh, I could lump you, kind of, into the internet world of, of like, 
that, if, if, especially if I didn't know, you know, if I wasn't that familiar with your work. But like the the way you're approaching it, and the and I think the actual the actual outcomes of your stuff is so different. And I, I really, I hate that stuff, man. It, I mean, it, but I mean, we're it's called 10,000 hours for a reason and we're not actually yeah. arguing that it takes 10,000 or whatever, but it's just the idea that it, it like you grow over time. It takes time. It takes dedication. It takes actual effort. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I a thousand percent agree. I mean, that, that sentiment is, is just so true within my life. And, and I think that that's what led me to this idea by my future was looking at, so I started making online courses two years ago, mostly because I thought to myself, okay, I've learned a lot of my entrepreneurial career. What can I turn into something that I don't have to be there for every day yeah. that can give people value, right? Like going back to that thought. And so that was creating a course on sponsorships. And so I was like, okay, I've, I've landed 2,000 sponsors. So I know something. I've learned something over the years. Um, so I boiled that into a course. And so I started to sell it and I had some success. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm not doing like these $100,000 launches I keep hearing about from, you know, internet, even internet marketer friends that I have. Uh, I put friends in quotes just you guys couldn't sure. see it. But, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, and then I started looking it. and like watching how they did stuff. And I was like, whoa, not congruent to how I want to run my business. Yeah. Like, if that's how you're making the money, I'm not into it, which is really what's led me to buy my future because it's my way of saying, this is how I want to sell these things. No one else is doing it this way, and that feels like the way I should do it. So this, I mean, you've, you've just made a lot of really good points over the last couple paragraphs of conversation. The one that really stood out to me is the fact that people don't work hard enough, and that's something that we really thoroughly and sincerely believe in here. Uh, not as some sort of altruistic, holier-than-thou point of view, but just in the fact that people can tell. People can tell mm -hmm. how hard you work, and I dare say that's where a lot of the value that maybe you can't see but you can feel comes from. When someone is evaluating your project, and they don't know exactly why maybe, but they believe in it, it's because they can tell and they can sense, and maybe they can even empirically see that you're, you work hard at what you do, and you care about it, and you're passionate about it. And more than anything, the willingness and the ability to put in those hours pays dividends. Yeah, and I, I'm concerned for the, the generation that was born in like the late 90s, early 2000s, I mean, even nowadays, because everything is so fast, right? I mean, all communication is so fast, all results come so quickly, and gone are the days when, I mean, I'm 33, so I, I lived before the internet, and like I remember what it was like to work at businesses where things just took a while. You know, there was no overnight shipping when you bought something like that didn't exist. Uh, but it's it's really interesting to think about the future of people creating and people building businesses and the lack of attention span. And I, I'm just really curious to see where that goes because I'm fortunate that I was kind of in the world before this happened. So I have the hard work ethic that I think a lot of people don't. And I'm not sure that there's a way. I've talked about this with so many friends who are kind of similar to me in, in age. I, I'm not sure how you help people become harder workers you know when you're especially when you're born in a time when it's just you don't really have to work hard to do much yeah it's 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 like a tough challenge of like i mean I, I, what we were saying before we we're talking about self-awareness and and aligning your interests with your work i feel like it's harder for people to find the work that matters to them i think that that actually has longevity that can be you know something more than like flash in the pan it's just like gratification you're talking about. It's just like so instant and it's so... I mean, that said though, I have to disagree in some ways. I think sometimes, 
I get turned off by this sort of the beauty of the inconvenience, the, the fact that like just because something has barriers and forces you to jump hurdles to create it doesn't make it intrinsically better and it doesn't make your work intrinsically more valuable. Yeah. That's I think there are plenty of ways to to show authenticity and work ethic even in an, an instant consumable culture, and I think we see plenty of people who do that. We've even interviewed a fair share of them. It's, this is true. This is true. I mean, it's opened. It opens up a lot of doors. It actually, and sometimes the feedback can improve quicker and actually can speed the process along. I will say though, if there's one thing I could like wish for, is that um, is that like almost like that people were like forced occasionally somehow to be disconnected and to kind of be alone with their stuff. I'm not saying, and you know, just because I have like some introversion to me, like I, so I have that, that in me a little bit, but I, I just think like there's a lot of value in, in time spent with self. And that is something that is, I mean, there's just so much possible distraction at all times, but that being said, <laughs> Yeah, no, well, and Vince, you bring up a really good point. Like, I, I don't think it's it's 100% one way or the other, right? Like, there's always going to be half of the crowd that goes this way and half that goes the other way. And and I do think that... And, and Jason standing in the middle. <laughs> and me, like, playing in, a, in, like, a field far away, just, like, completely lost, like a puppy. Wearing a t-shirt um, of something. Yes, just, just dancing around. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that it is cool to live in a time where we have the opportunities that we have right now. I will say that. I think that's really interesting. I just think that some people want to build the next Facebook or build the next Instagram or like whatever these like big hopes and dreams are for a lot of these younger entrepreneurs, but yet they don't understand what really goes into doing those things. And they think it can just be done in the four hour work week or in the <laughs> 10,000 hour, right? Like, I just think that there's, I mean, there's a lot they, of these. If they put in 10,000 hours, I'll going to go <laughs> yeah, ahead and give it I'd to I'd like them. to see I mean, that actually happen. Yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, exactly. e- even if they were putting in a full work week, that's like 2,000 hours a year. Like, if they, yeah. if they put in a consistent 40 hours a week for five years, I'll say, you know what? I wish you some success. Yeah, show me the show me the failed entrepreneur that has worked that much. Like I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know a single one. <laughs> it's true, man. Uh, uh. It, and here we are. We're, we're all old men, just just uh, strumming our beards at this. No, <laughs> but, but guys, I think I think this is like a it's a really cool topic to touch on because like getting back to the the whole values thing. I feel like we're now just like a group, like all running this show, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is yeah. The, okay. You know, good. Good. It's yeah. It's just it's. Everybody has their own different set of values, number one. Everybody values different things in different ways. Like, obviously, tons of people didn't agree with me getting paid to wear T-shirts for a living or selling my last name or even putting sponsors in a book. That didn't hurt anybody's feelings, but people, of course, are still up in arms about something that's different or unique. And I think the most important thing is just to say, like, what is most valuable to me? Like, yep. what, what do I stand for? What makes me happy? What, not just based on what the media tells me or what I think looks cool. Like, what really matters to me? And if you can dig down into that, and like you've mentioned self-awareness a, a couple of times, it's so important. And I think it's just kind of like a, I don't know, it gets thrown aside sometimes of, of the real importance. But I've even noticed it for myself. Like I said, it's just been such a huge change for me in my life that's been so impactful. Dude, so funny. It's, uh, it's fun when you're, when you're having a conversation with someone and you're like about to say something and then they, they like dive into that thing and you feel that little tingle somewhere, somewhere <laughs> deep within you're like, haha, yes, we're on the same wavelength. And, uh, and what I was going to ask, cause you know, we're talking about social media, we're talking about that value. It very much, a lot of this comes back to that core for me, for, I think a lot of the conversations we have, and especially when I'm thinking about social media, that's kind of an aside, but I think of like the gratification one gets. Uh, and I think people, you know, if you're chasing likes, you're chasing that sort of stuff, what does that mean? What does that say about you? 
but that's a different thing. It, it is related. But my question then for you, Jason, is how did that happen? How did it happen for you in terms of um, how did you identify what was important for you? I, I know it maybe it wasn't an aha one moment, but but where did where did that path start and kind of how did it progress? Yeah, I think it was actually hitting rock bottom. So uh, I wear your shirt in the last like 2012 to 2013 just did not do well financially. Um, I, I made some bad decisions. It was that was the first business I had ever run on my own. So you can imagine, hmm. just things hmm. are going to happen. And so I, I had hired too many people because I thought I was supposed to scale, and that was such a cool thing. And then I had changed the content, and and I was really relying on these other platforms, Facebook and Twitter. And you know, when Facebook changed their algorithm, like my traffic tanked because. I was a lot of my traffic was driven through Facebook. So, you know, there were a lot of things that were just out of my control. So, anyway, uh, when that business shut down, I had $100,000 in debt. And that was kind of my line in the sand. When I finally said, I can't take on any more debt, um, I feel incredibly embarrassed about this because everybody, like, I'm still getting these articles written about me of like, this guy makes half a million dollars a year wearing t shirts. And I would literally tell those people, like, don't put this article out. It's not true. Like, yes, I generated that amount of money, but now I'm in debt. Like, this business has not, you know, gone on to be super successful as it as it once was. And so when I reached that point of kind of rock bottom financially, it obviously was rock bottom in every other part of your life. You know, you don't just have like a, a meltdown in a business and then, oh, well, I'm completely healthy. Uh, my love life is great, but my business isn't doing so hot. Like, it affected everything. And so it really made me take a hard look at what am I striving for? You know, like what what every day is getting me up out of bed? What am I looking for in life? And I was so focused on making a million dollars a year. Like that was a goal that I had for some reason. I, I don't even live a lifestyle that needs anywhere near that amount of money. I actually could live off of like $3,000 a month, which I think is crazy for people to hear. Um, luckily, I do make more than that, but I think that's just because of all the things that I put out into the world. Uh, but yeah, just... I kind of was living this like MTV Cribs fantasy in my mind of I need a big house, I need a Ferrari, I need all this money. And I was and I just finally took a moment and again it was at that conference when I heard Joshua talking about his story which was so similar when I said do these things actually matter to me? And I would not have reflected on those had I not hit rock bottom. And so for me that was actually a great thing to have happen in my life. It really sucked for like 2 years, but I look back on it and I'm like I'm actually kind of glad that happened in a really morbid, weird way. Well, let me start by saying thanks. Thanks for sharing. Like vulnerable stuff like that is really valuable. Not not just in terms of causing self introspection, but because it can teach us some lessons. And I am I was really surprised to hear that that's how everything we went were, down. We were both mouth agape. Yes, <laughs> I would have not imagined after what I read about. Right, yeah. I wear your shirt. That that's and how I mean, that story ended. such is the nature of these like these little cliff notes versions of mm-hmm. anyone who has notoriety on the web. It's kind of yeah. like it's oh man. It's it's it's. Uh, I appreciate you humanizing yourself because that is so valuable. I mean, there's these idols that people, whether that's entrepreneurs or whether that's kids coming up in any sort of thing, it's just like they idolize, they put, they put things and people on pedestals and it's just kind of dangerous. You know, it's just so idealized and it's so unattainable because it's not real. (laughs) And, and clearly you've illustrated a very, uh, a visceral point in that you were starting to ascribe value to things that didn't actually have value. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The idea of scaling up, the idea of expansion, uh, and even in a personal way, you know, a lifestyle that wouldn't you 
wouldn't have even made you happy. So we, we now see the other side of that coin in that you can show people value in things that they don't initially understand have value. And that's, that's what we do as people who sell things. We, our job, if we're doing it correctly and with good conscience, is to reveal the value in things to people. And, but by that same virtue, we can ascribe value to things that don't have it. And it could be dangerous. Yeah, no, I I totally agree, guys. And I, I think that being vulnerable about this stuff is something I couldn't have done two years ago. Like I, I pretty much told nobody. Uh, I was afraid. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And the unfortunate thing is that so many of us, us like you guys with me talking, people listening to this, people in the entrepreneurial space, deal with this. But we never talk about it. And one reason is because when have we ever taught to deal with this? Never. Like never in your like we learn about social studies and chemistry in school. Have you guys used those recently? I haven't. But I would love to know like more about how I'm supposed to file my IRS tax forms correctly so that I don't get these stupid like Florida employee tax things that I get every six months. I never get taught that thing. But so there's all these little things that we don't learn that have just become things that I have only learned through experience. And that I think that the more that you do in life and the more that you're willing to take chances and risks and learn from those and not just, you know, say like, oh, here's one thing that I did. Oh, it failed. Okay, I'm never doing anything again and I'm going to go hide in a cave. And you go, okay, what did I learn from that? What can I take forward? What can I now apply and teach to other people who might be in the same position? And I've just found that I have gotten so much personal value out of sharing this story of being in debt and and getting to this rock bottom place. Mm. Because it's made me such a better person. Emotionally, physically, I'm much healthier now. I'm much happier. Like yeah. It just leads to so you, much better you stuff. Know, the irony of this, I've, I've thought a lot about kind of that too, about vulnerability. And the irony of, of being vulnerable, if we were to say that, that like being vulnerable means taking off some sort of armor, if we were to say that, like the irony is that it actually like gives us much more armor. Because mm-hmm. we're much more, like being open and honest just creates this like, this almost like bubble around you, this of safety. It, it's just like so much more, more true. So yeah, I mean, that's great. And I, so I'm, I must say like selfishly, we should be more honest. Selfishly, we should be more vulnerable because it'll make you happier, healthier, safer. <laughs> Honesty yeah, th- is the thing ahead, with real, oh, sorry. Yeah. Honesty is the thing with real value. Yeah. Honesty is yeah. the thing that can actually provide you something in your life. And by being selfish and believing in, in that truth, we can, you know, we can actually reap the benefits um, and I think you mentioned something else that is maybe the most valuable thing of all, and that's experience, experience as a teacher and as a, a way to give context to our past and future projects. Uh, clearly, you've learned a lot in doing so. And by sharing those experiences, we can hopefully teach others. Yeah, and I think I've built the deepest relationships possible by being honest and authentic and transparent. And I think that the people who maybe have a lot of like shit going on in their life that they're embarrassed about shy away from it. Cause it brings up feelings for them that they don't want brought up or that they're afraid to talk about. And so they kind of scurry away. And I just, you know, I hope that those people at some point find their moment where they can get through that stuff. But I also know that, I mean, I continue to get emails constantly from people who are reading the articles I put out or my book where I'm, I'm just talking about this and they're like, thank you so much for having the courage to put this out. 
And I'm like, shit, I, I, was, I didn't think I was courageous. I was nervous as hell when I put that out. But I just knew that I wanted that to be out into the world because I just I thought that it would help other people who might be in the same position. So, yeah, more of that stuff. I mean, you know, you guys do a lot of things. I was checking you guys out before we were getting on this. And uh, I'd love to see more kind of behind the scenes stuff, right? Like more of, you know, what's really going into it? What's the hard work? What's the gritty stuff? Uh, because I think we all really love knowing about that. And then we can all see a little bit of ourselves getting better if we can learn from those experiences. Uh, couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, you remind me of a quote, which I can't really attribute <laughs> at this time, like most of the quotes that I quote, but it was, um, Is it me? it's a conversation, no, it's a conversation <laughs> and, and one says to the other, can you still be brave when you're afraid? And the, the other says to the first, that's the only time that you can be brave. Uh, and, and so I, I think your story rings true. And it's ironic, maybe, that we're talking about sincerity and authenticity, because in our off-topic topic, we're going to maybe talk about a place that isn't specifically known what? for those qualities. Get out of here not, with maybe, this shit. In, in, in I'm culture, not going to allow culture. that segue. I'm not going to allow that. <laughs> and, and Jason, I think you'll back me up here in a moment when when Vince perhaps introduces the actual off-topic topic. So, and if I may say, our off-topic topic is our opportunity to sort of veer away from the topic and, and maybe explore something not necessarily germane to the conversation. And I'm quoting Vince <laughs> right now <laughs> uh, uh, in his boilerplate. That's <laughs> pretty prescriptive, <laughs> okay, the way that yeah, yeah. he said it. Okay. Uh, I only meant it, meant it as a good-natured ribbing, and uh, <laughs> it is a, it's a false... It is a, really, it is a false sort of... <laughs> Uh, thought about a part of the culture, a part of the country that is ascribed by a different part of the culture that is probably just jealous. But we're talking today about California. Ooh, yeah. You, I, I know you recently moved to California, Mister. Yes, to, to yes. San Diego, San Diego, San Diego. Hey, actually, you know what, man? I think, um, <laughs> and this isn't helpful to the listeners at all. But I think <laughs> I might be out there in a few weeks with Mister. David Cherry. Uh, and if if the listeners recall, David Cherry was on episode, I want to say th- uh, 42, 42 or something. I don't know. Death to Stock. We've talked about him a lot. I've been working on all the projects with him. And he is actually who introduced us. So yes. sh- shouts to him and de- to Death to Stock. Thank you. Yeah, thank but you. But I think we will be in San Diego soon. So perhaps we can meet up. That would as be a, fun. Yeah, as a quick aside. For all the listeners who have, that has no impact for them, when we meet up, we'll just take photos. And they <laughs> yeah. Like, we'll oh, look, it. they did. Yeah, they, they did. They, they, they really, they really It'll be a first for 10,000 hours <laughs> following through. Um, as an aside, Grant, I think you might have to start paying taxes in California soon, just based on how frequently you're there. Like, it's pretty much every couple of months, if not more frequently. I think a little bit more frequently yeah, <laughs> yeah. at this point. But, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, w- I actually love California a lot. I've been there just a couple times, but it's been a, a completely and outwardly positive experience. And for all the flack they get from us good, wholesome Midwesterners, uh, I think it's a, one, it's a wonderful state with a diverse and rich collection of cultures. What do what, you what think about it? What a political answer. Uh, but I, I do mean uh, it, though. Okay, I really I know, do. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, so I, I lived in the South before this. I lived in Jacksonville, Florida, which is probably the same sentiment as the Midwesterners. We're like, oh, just a bunch of hippies over there who are like, you know, making hemp sandals every day and just eating like only vegan meals. Uh, and so when my girlfriend and I were like, well, let's move there. Let's go check out these hippies and their sandals. Uh, we just wanted a, an adventure. We wanted something different. And I'll say that we've gotten that in spades. I mean, it's just 
number one, the weather is as great as everybody says. We had our second day of rain in the six months that we've been here. So, you know, I slight can, slightly can complain about that. But um, people are really open here. People are really friendly. Uh, it's amazing how many more people seem to smile at you here. I mean, you guys definitely get some of the, the, the Midwestern charm, I would imagine, from people. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I just... I don't know. It's it's very different vibe, and and we're in San Diego, so we're actually a little bit outside of, of the city, uh, and we just love it. Like it's so beautiful. I would totally avoid L.A. completely. Like that's not my scene at all. But we just went north of L.A. to a place called Ojai, which is a beautiful little uh, town in the valley, which is gorgeous. And I just think California has so many little nooks and crannies that uh, we can't wait to explore, just because this state is humongous uh, and there's a lot true. to see. It's real, real big, and I will say I'm actually I am actually a fan of L.A. Like. I didn't think I would be, mm. and I kind of wasn't sure for a little bit, but I really like it. And I, the thing about L.A., though, is, like, it's just, it's kind of like California in that it's expansive, so mm-hmm. you could love or hate all sorts of it, you know? Yeah. And and I guess most of my time has been spent kind of by the beach. A lot of my projects I've been working on are, like, Venice, Santa Monica, Marina del Rey kind of area. And so it's like, okay, that's pretty fun. And then besides that, there's just, like, so many people there, like, so many people uh, that I'm able to connect with. I I love being – we're in Minneapolis in Minnesota, and we have an incredible creative culture, great art scene. There's so much cool stuff happening here. But – well, not necessarily but. I think and I think I've connected with, like, most of the people who are, Mm. like, doing really interesting stuff. And certainly there are people who, like, are doing stuff that I'm not aware of or that are, like, are starting to or whatever. But it's just, like, it's just very visible. You know, it's it's a smaller pond. So you're swimming around. You're like, oh, I can see sort of the bigger fish. And I don't mean that, like, to quantify their value, but just to say, like, oh, yeah, these people have identified themselves. They're standing up. They're doing interesting stuff. Whereas I feel like maybe it's just because I'm not from there, but also I think the size of the pond, going there is so awesome, connecting with new people who are doing interesting things, who have different influences. It's like, I, I love that. Yeah, we we're big foodies, and Jackson was hilarious. I mean, we had like literally two restaurants <laughs> that we were like, "Oh, these are great." I mean, here there's an unlimited amount. Yes, it's just like that. That in itself is is a great thing. But you're totally right. I mean, the entrepreneurial pool here is huge, and we didn't even realize that. I mean, very quick aside: in 2009, any social media story or internet story that happened in Jacksonville, Florida, I got a call from a local reporter to get <laughs> like I was the only person awesome. that you know. It was, yeah. So it was hilarious. Uh. And, and I look at that like coming here, like you're so right. There's an there's an endless amount of talent and people and uh, just opportunities. Just I think fun, are really cool. Right? So Dude, yeah, everyone hey, come props. visit. Like props I'm not you getting any kickbacks there. from the tourism board, but just come visit. <laughs> so you're you're illustrating with Jacksonville very viscerally something that also takes place in Minneapolis. Once long ago, we took a trip, Grant and I, to, oh, yeah. to the West Coast, and we on, on that trip we visited San Fran and L.A. and also San Diego. And the the question, which was kind of loosely attributed to why we went, but it was, can creativity come from anywhere or does it come from a specific part of the culture or country more frequently? Um, and, you know, people can easily get defensive. And I would defend Minneapolis in a lot of ways in that it's a wonderful city and I love to live here and there's a lot to offer. But the fact of the matter is there's so many people and so many Just creative people. Purely volume. It's, it's like... If, I mean, if not for other reasons, surely for volume alone, that just more creative opportunities are out there and more cool things are in L.A. and San Fran and even San Diego and just California in general. It's hard not to be drawn to that state as a creative person because there's just so much to offer. 
Yeah, and I think when you like live in a town where you feel like you've maybe even just having the feeling of oh, I've I've saturated all of the potential creativity, that in itself, if it's just a placebo effect yeah, alone, yeah. it hinders your ability. And that's how we felt in Jacksonville. I mean, we you know we redid our, re- our office like three times because we worked from home, so we're like, oh, let's just keep changing this and making it cooler or better. But that can only go so far because at the end of the day, when you leave the house to go somewhere to get out of the house for a little while. You still have nowhere to go. You You're know, still you, in you Jacksonville. Have, just exactly. slam Jacksonville. Exactly. Again. Uh, no, but it's yeah. And and I I wish great things for Jacksonville. You know, my my heart will always be there. I will always root for the Jaguars. Sadly, but I they're just awful. Think that, by the way, yeah, yeah, they really are. Um, in a couple of years, we'll be good. But yeah, I sure. think that you're so right. I mean, getting just adventure. I mean, that's that's why we moved was because let's get some adventure in our lives because that will spark creativity. That will create something new for us. And and it has really kind of showed us that we get a lot of value. Just I'm gonna circle this whole thing way back to being in a place hey, where it's, it's your show, not ours. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening to ten thousand hours. Um, Hosted by but yeah, Jason just, <laughs> yeah, just just to be in a place where you, like you are fueled by all that stuff. That's a new experience that we haven't had and that's amazing like i'm so glad that we're experiencing that totally uh, quickly before we might transition on we have to end this california circle jerk just a little <laughs> bit say something you don't like about california please for the for the love of the listeners who aren't from there just give us <laughs> give us something to go on I will say the time zone has completely messed me up. Like, not necessarily from a life standpoint, but from a business standpoint. Yeah. Like, I always wake up feeling behind. And and I don't necessarily even think that I am or that it matters. But by 3 o'clock, like, email's dead. Uh, you know, I think of something witty to tweet and no one looks at it. And it just, it's like, it feels weird. It just feels completely different to me. Um, so I haven't quite gotten used to that. I don't know if they can fix that. Like, if they, I don't know, just maybe, like, move the clocks forward a couple hours uh, and everything will be I, all right. I like working with California companies because I, like, don't want to wake up at 8 a.m. <laughs> and so I constantly feel like I'm, like, on time <laughs> for once. Yeah. True, true. Yeah. I mean, we're right in the middle. We're two hours. Oh, it's not in the middle. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're in the middle. Whatever. Yeah, it's all oh, relative. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Everything's relative. Oh, hey, as an aside, too, uh, I uh, when we were first emailing, you were saying, because I think you had listened to part of the episode or the Death to Stock episode, you were saying yep. something that had come up for you was adventure takes effort. I think that was Allie. Yes. Um, had said that. And I think that's like, that's just like a good thing to say again and to yeah. reiterate. And there's like so much, you know what? I, I think let's let us, let us please segue back in and let's just say like uh, value oftentimes comes from things that don't feel necessarily. I want to say good, like they can become, they can be sort of painful, like fear, Mm -hmm. fear and, and, and dealing with fear. And and that, that is like inherently almost like a tough thing and vulnerability too. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's painful and that's uncomfortable by nature, but it's valuable. But yeah, I mean, and, and I think a lot of that kind of, you know, we say dancing with your fear. It's a very Seth Godin kind of idea, but like, but like knowing, knowing that and getting in touch with that, it, it actually makes it less scary, I think. I mean, Jason, you said you were scared, and of course you are. You're nervous. You're launching this thing. It's like a, it's like a big deal. Like you're putting a lot of time, energy, and like yourself into it. But like you've been there. You've done that mm-hmm. dance, and so it's like you're, you know, scared in quotation marks. But are you really right? And you, you also know the value of putting yourself out there, and you know that even if it quote unquote fails, even though you're tarantino record is going to take a hit like there's value and it's going to be fine (laughs) yeah no i 
I uh, I think that that's a really interesting thing to bring up because it makes me think of the part that I enjoy the most is what I like to call embracing the climb. So it's not even really like the end of the project for me that I love. Like I like uh, to keep the rock climbing thing going. Like reaching the summit or reaching the top is not what I love. I love the steps along the way. Like writing this daily journal. That's been so fun for me. Um, talking to people, doing interviews like this, like this is so fun and, and and just like I get because I can imbue like all my tone and all my emotion and everything into it. Whereas when the project is over, uh, if it's made money or whatever, I don't get to do that anymore. I don't get to have those little moments, those things. So uh, I think that like the fear, even like you almost become like a little bit you know, a fear junkie, right? Like you're like, all right, well, how can I push myself to go a little bit further? Because it feels really good when I overcome that. And when I move forward past that, or when I share that. Yeah, I I think really well said and, and not to curtail the conversation at all, but you know, as we wind down, I think that sentiment has informed the whole conversation thus far and hopefully, and, or maybe it will inform a couple more questions that we have for you as a way to kind of wrap up this topic. Um, and they are, you can just answer these in order. What can our listeners do to support you? And if you would want our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would that be? Hmm. Um, I think to support me, I would love for your listeners to give themselves the permission to maybe open up about something that they're afraid to share publicly. And they can email me. Uh, email is jason at com. And I swear on my life, I've got my Cub Scout hand up. I was never a Cub Scout, so I don't even know what that looks like. But um, I pinky swear that I will not share if someone wants to maybe unload their vulnerable moment or maybe share something that they just can't share with anybody else or they feel like they just have been holding back that I would love to be able to then support them. You know, I'd love to be able to give back to them uh, on that. Um, so that would be really cool for me. And then I don't know what the second question well, was. Eric, and you, you said open up and also like maybe open up a line of credit and just buy, <laughs> buy Jason's future if you could. And yeah, be- what an incredibly not self-serving answer to that question. That's your chance to, to shill. <laughs> no, I'm just, just kidding. That, yeah, exactly. I'm just kidding. Obviously, that's your plug moment. No, no, no that's, that's no, great. No, no. It is here's great. The, here's the interesting thing, guys. I have learned over the years that 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 moment is not the opportunity that people are going to it's not going to sway them, right? Like Certainly I, not, yeah. At all. So what's the point of me even wasting a breath? I'd rather say something that, I mean, it's cheesy, but it will bring me value to get those emails from people. That's what lights me up, to know that I'm making a difference in someone's life. That is something that I can't, I can't put a dollar amount on. I can't ask someone to pay for. Like that's, that's the really cool stuff. And a couple of years ago, I would have just taken that moment to be like, yeah, go to buy my... I'll lay your shirt out. Exactly. I would have been the auction guy for dude, like five minutes. Hell yeah, good for you, man. I mean, that is like you tapping into your authentic self and, and into something that is not only... Uh, I Ultimately, it's like maybe good for you, and but it's like good for everyone you know so like embracing that super dope and it's good because it's good i gave you a golf clap i think it was like six this is number yeah i i counted five but okay um <laughs> great well against your will we'll still link people to by my future right. come. I, I, um, all right i'll but take it that said uh what would you want our listeners to take away from your time on this episode um 
find your own values. Like now is the time to maybe sit down and do some hard work, some hard thinking. And, and I'll even give you some tactical stuff to do uh, because I think that's important. Uh, number one, read Pamela Slim's book, Body of Work. That was really helpful and influential for me um, in just kind of connecting the dots on what re- like what really meant stuff to me, like value-wise. Um, sorry for stuttering there. And the the second one is a plug for my girlfriend who wrote a book called Connecting with Your Core while she was going through her own moments of vulnerability. And you can find that at madevibrant.com um, or just search Connecting with Your Core. Uh, it is an awesome book. It is. She actually just redid it with some amazing illustrations and a whole bunch of stuff. I'm like so surprised that the person that I'm with wrote that book because I had no idea that like we both were going to kind of create this life for ourselves. So um, those things tactically I think have been influential for me in getting to where I am. And I'd love for other people to establish their values and to figure out what they need to filter their life through uh, because it's just been so helpful for me. Dude, yes. I mean, right, <laughs> right. That's where it comes from. And it's so cool. I mean, hey, good for you, man, to like find Absolutely. a partner, find a partner in general. That's awesome. Mm. But also to find a partner that seems so like aligned in those ways. I feel like yep. that's just like the best. Yeah, and, and, sure. and thank you by the way for supporting. And this is not to like, not a critique to anyone or anything, but just supporting your advice with some real actionable. It things. is meant. It, it goes a long way. It really does. It's, it's easy sometimes. And fuck, fuck us. Right. Even to like get we up on a, on, yeah. I mean to get up on a soapbox and be like, you know what you got to do? It's just like, go tap into, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, okay, cool. So what do you, so what? what so yeah, what, what do I do? I, do? What I do no, but yeah, yeah. It's just like, even just one next step, I feel like putting people down a path of like that, that's awesome. And it's generous. And thank you, dude. And, and thanks for your time on the show, by the way. It's been a great episode. It's been a lot of fun, at least for me. This I'll is speak what, for Grant. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. This is what we would call a grep. We we would call it a grab, even though I've never been too fond of that. No you push back a little bit on it. But I, I've been slowly it's working it in, that in, into the vernacular of the show. I feel like the the true fans are really picking up on it and pushing it forward. Speaking of show vernacular, let's see if I can't botch this, Jason. Every every week Please we God, we yeah. end the show in a very specific way with very specific words. And those words are the two words, ship it. And mm. we, we say them or we ask our guests to say them because they're, they're what we believe. And it's, it's a succinct way of saying if, if you don't do the work, if you don't actually put in the time and make something real that people can consume and look at and appreciate, then you really haven't done anything in the grand scheme of things. Uh, so if you would sign us out, you have to say the words ship it so that our fans can hear the words ship it. And that's the end of the episode. I'm realizing what's happening here, Vince. So <laughs> I've I've been long I've been long holding Vince hostage at the beginning <laughs> of the show. I will say today was a bit different mm. in that I just kinda like complimented him because I was feeling that. I haven't seen him in a little bit. But typically I will dangle I will dangle the carrot of the start of the show in front of Vince and hold the power of asking him what he's working on for about, I mean, three minutes on average, probably. And I think what's happened is, like, you have become the master. You are now teaching. You are now teaching the master at the end of the show. Uh, it, it was that, and and lampooning myself for so often failing oh, yeah, to give yeah. clear instruction yeah. to our guest. That Very said, nice. you've already been such a great guest. If you could do this, the great honest. Gents, thank you so much for having me. And for everybody listening, 
ship it. <laughs>